0: to Unleashing Sister Saints, a podcast focused on strengthening women's faith in Jesus Christ and helping them wrestle through the sometimes complex gender and cultural dynamics in the church. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, a global expert in women and leadership, a mama of four, and a devoted member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I love the word unleash and I use it often. Now in each episode, we include research, personal experiences and a challenge to help you feel free to bring your whole self to the Lord's work. Now in this week's episode, I am delighted to welcome my friend, Dr. Christy Kane to the show. Dr. Kane is a mental health professional, public speaker, author, and a business leader, and she earned a doctorate degree in psychology, and her primary goal is to help people care for their brains and live better lives. I'm excited to have her on the show today to shine a light specifically on the experiences of single women in the church, and this is part one. I have another one coming up next week, so welcome, Christy, to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here.
0: So let's begin by having you share with our listeners why it's important for us to consider the experiences and perspectives of single women in the church. And can you share your own experience?
1: I think it's really important because, you know, we know now that the single population of the church is larger than the married population in the church, which indicates that. A church that is very family focused now in order to help retain, guide, direct, spiritually lead, they need to be much more mindful of that population, in particular women, than ever before.
0: And you're talking about the church as a whole, and I'm sure you're talking about leadership in the church too, including stake presidents and bishops, but also Release society presidencies and so forth, correct?
1: Yes. Because I think I'm personally single. I've been divorced for I think about 13 years. And there's a very different perspective of single members of the church in a family-oriented church. You know, you go, boy, you know, just lessons Susan's that are given, you know, so many times. Now I think the culture's shifting. But I remember being married, you know, and lessons talking about raising your children and Uh how do you have a good marriage and working with your husband or working with your wife. And then you suddenly are single and you're sitting in those married in those lessons going, well, I don't have a husband, so this doesn't apply to me. Or maybe all your children are raised and you're thinking, well, I'm not raising small children. And so I think it's important to make some shifts and recognize just a simple Release Society lesson needs to be delivered in such a way that it doesn't discriminate any individuals that might be present, but can be all-inclusive.
0: And being inclusive is a different mindset, I think. And I am so interested. Did you see that shift, Christy, pretty quickly from being a married woman in the church to within that year or two to being a, a divorced woman in the church?
1: Oh, it wasn't even a year or two. The shift was immediately. Let me give you an example. You're a couple, you have made friendships in the ward, you're invited to go out to dinner, to do different things. And when you're suddenly single, there's no more invitations. I've said, I was actually speaking, you might find this interesting to Elaine Jack, we're really good friends. And she was the former general release study president of the LDS Church. And I was talking to her about how difficult Sundays are for single individuals in the church. And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I said, you know, Married couples go home to their partner. You know, we go home after church to empty houses and there's no more invitations as there used to be. Like when I was a married person, there were invitations come to dinner or go to the movie or come to the backyard barbecue. And then when I suddenly found myself single, it was like, so do I have the plague now in a sense? Like there were no invitations. Now I have to own part of that. I probably needed to open my home yeah. to the married couples and say, you know, would you like to come to dinner? But I'll tell you a true story. I was in a release society meeting and I was sharing that a little bit saying, you know, just because we're single, we still need to be included and not not just on Sundays and the Sundays in the church have changed so much that they're really not a social event. Yeah,
0: they're not anymore.
1: Yeah. And so you long for that social connection and there's not really the release society evening social events that there used to be. I mean, our cultures really went to a family home centered church in some ways. And so in a lesson, I was kind of sharing, you know, the loneliness I felt and, you know, what, why couldn't a married couple invite me to go to dinner with them, you know? And there was a sister who actually in my ward said, expect to be the second wife. Oh, wow in the release society meeting and my daughter was sitting next to me she was visiting and luckily I'm a very tactful person and I just kind of let that comment go but afterwards my daughter said mom if you weren't who you were that could have been extremely offensive and I said but that's the perspective that there's this weird cultural perspective that lady brought forward and I'm like no I'm not asking to be the second wife, I just said, couldn't I go to dinner with you occasionally? And so it was a difficult transition for me. I've transitioned slowly and I have found, you know, I've made a lot of friends, but I spend my life pretty much socializing with single members of the church. And we have to- There is
0: that distinction. We have to Um, stop
1: doing that. We have to stop pushing the singles to be with the singles because pretty soon you're going to have this division And I'm sure you've looked at the statistics. Single people are not staying in the church. They're leaving because we're not being embraced in the way that we would hope. I mean, I loved, when was it, Susan? A few conferences ago that, was it President Mel? I can't remember who, but they talked directly about the single members of the church.
0: Yes, yes, I remember that.
1: And how they were wanted. And I sat there going, so if more than 50% of us Are in the church. We're not represented. You look at leadership in the church, and 80% of it are from the married people in the church. And I'm sitting there going, if we're just as equal and if being single isn't a sin, which it's not, then why do we feel so marginalized and set aside? Why aren't there equal amount of single people serving in leadership as there are married? If it's not a question of worthiness. I mean,
0: These are such good questions, but I wonder, Christy, and I'm interested in your response to this, I'm wondering if, as I've studied diversity and inclusion and all of this for years, there are so many people that just assume that people are included. If they're a Black person or a person of a different race or if they're this, you just say You're included, and people will feel (laughs) included, but it's more than that. What I'm realizing when I'm listening to so many people who are not necessarily in the Utah culture, you know, that feel part of that, it takes more than just saying, hey, come, you're included, but you're saying even those invitations oftentimes are not even given. Any thoughts?
1: I think we have to be very proactive in the inclusion process, right? I need to reach out. I can be part of the problem and I can be part of the solution. But for single members of the church, it also needs to be the married couples that are reaching out and that they're part of the problem and they can be part of the solution, right? We need to be proactive inclusion.
0: Thank you so much. What, and you've talked about some, but any other challenges that you see that single sisters in the church uh, face specifically? And then secondly, how can we be more mindful of these women and their unique perspectives, gifts, and talents? So any other challenges first, and then what more can we do? And I have to just say, I'm a married woman, I've been married for 38 years and so, but I have to say, I do have many, many friends who have never married or are single sisters, and I've heard the same comments from pretty much every single one of them. So any thoughts about those two?
1: One, you know, when I found, as I went through the divorce, then there was the no, mo- no longer the presence of the ordained priesthood holder in the home, right? My boys were teenagers, but they really needed some good mentoring from that side. And unfortunately, in our case, it didn't really go as smoothly as I had hoped. But there were many times when it would have been so nice for someone to offer that inclusion for my boys, you know, like scouting and different things. It wasn't my repertoire. Like I didn't know anything about scouting, you know, and my boys made it to their arrow of light, which is great. But then when it came time to move further and all of that, here's a single mom working and doing all the things I needed to do. Needless to say, that never became a part of my boys' lives. There's just little things that needed to happen that didn't. I'll give you an example, like when COVID hit, you know, and everybody had to stay home and the church authorized the blessing and the sacrament in their own home. I'll tell you what, for me being a single sister and having no priesthood holders in my home, that was a very difficult time because I went for months without partaking of the sacrament because it couldn't be blessed. Right. Mm -hmm. And in our particular Stake. They weren't letting men go into people's homes just because of the fear, you know, of COVID, which I understand. But man, did I feel kind of like, wow, my world is so different. And so I think there's just those little assumptions that all the families are participating. And we talk about it doesn't matter what the family looks like, then there needs to be other pieces put in place. This won't apply to women, but I have a friend who's raised his children himself. And he has longed to have Relief Society sisters to help influence his boys and to help share the culture of a female. But he doesn't even have ministering sisters that come to his home. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's you know, so he's true. he's longed
1: for that, for his children. And it's interesting because the other thing I've noticed, and I don't know why this is, but as a single sister, usually assigned to me as a ministering couple, which is oh, great. Yes. But, you know, I'm still a single sister that would like to maybe build some friendships with single sisters. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: A married couple, which is great. And they're wonderful people. But I'm like,
0: there's things that you talk about with just women in the room. Also, I was just thinking quickly that in my last ward there was a dear friend of mine whose husband died from cancer and she was embraced. Her kids were embraced. I have never thought of this, but do you think there's a difference between when a sister, her husband passes away versus is divorced?
1: Oh, I've said many times, I feel not publicly, but in my own mind, I've said, so I'm kind of a stepchild because I'm single and I'm a stepchild again because I'm divorced. And I do. I mean, there's even some, perspectives in places where people can and can't serve in the church because they're divorced, not because they're single. And yet the church says divorce is not a sin. And 50% of the population is divorced, yeah. you know, 50% of marriages, I mean. And so, yeah, I felt it as a double whammy. And so I'm like, okay, not only am I single, but I'm a single divorced sister. Therefore I have the plague twice, you know,
0: And do you see some of these same experiences with people? You know, you do therapy and counseling to people. Do you see this in others as well, your experiences?
1: I do. And I see a lot of women who, you know, it's interesting right now, Susan, we're seeing a lot more later life divorces. And what I've also seen coming from women is a lot of pain and hurt because the older women, let's say women getting divorced like in their 60s right now. They felt that their culture time in the church was about, don't go to school, have children, get married, support your husband. And now they're getting divorced and they're angry because here they are uneducated, trying to have a life. They thought they'd be married their whole lives. And so I see a lot of disparity also economically, especially for single sisters in the church. But yeah, and I see sisters leaving. I see... So and brethren, and I see so many feeling not needed, not recognized, and so they're walking away. I mean, I've had my own moments personally yeah. when I'm like, is it worth it? Is it worth to go there? You know, let me give you a, a simple barrier of a chapel. So yeah. simple. You walk into our chapels, and you know, names aren't on benches, but they might as well be because yes. you have all these families that claim their benches, right? And so you come to church as a single person, you walk in and you're automatically almost pushed to the back of the cultural hall because you're not invited to the benches. Like no one gets up and says, and I'm sure there are occasions where they do, you know, people are sitting with their families and you don't have that simple, Hey, come sit by us.
0: Just that simple moment. If we're more inclusive Mm -hmm. and and mention that and think of that could change lives. I think just those small things.
1: I remember the first Sunday I came to church without my children, and it was hard.
0: Yeah, I know when you have children there, at least you have somebody, but yeah, by yourself. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, many single women in the church have never married or had children. That's another population too, that we haven't talked too much about. And many women, as you've talked about, have experienced divorce and are single parents. What about Talk a little bit about even though your experiences being a divorced woman, I'm sure you've met with and counseled single women in the church who have never married. Any unique challenges there you could share?
1: You know, I have some good friends that have married and never married and never had children. And there are many Sundays when they choose to be absent at church. Mother's Day is very, very hard for them. There are many, many times when they'll set through lessons and You know, they feel very excluded, or the pain is returned, knowing that they've never been able to marry or to have children. And it's just the reality. You know, it's interesting. We're a global church that needs to have global inclusion. And yet, this foundational issue of single people in the church goes across all cultures and has been present for such a long time. And it's in our lessons, in sacrament meeting, it's even predominantly used to be in general conference, where as single, you really felt, well, I'm here, but I'm really not here because every talk is about marriage and every talk is about treat your partner or how to raise your children. And we're getting better because we're shifting talks to be about Christ and using all kinds of examples. But still, there are so much heartache when there can be simple shifts in dialogue so that everyone felt included, right? I have lots of single women who've walked away from the church because they're like, I can't sit through another lesson being reminded I don't have children. Or I, and just conversations. My daughter, um, she does have a child now, but for a long time, she couldn't have children. And many, many times she had people saying to her, well, do you not want kids? Or when are you going to have kids?
0: Man, have I heard that so much from people that have been in pain trying to get pregnant. I mean, this heartache and just this assumption that they're doing it because of their career or something. I've heard that from so many people, Christy.
1: We have to change dialogue, Susan. So for example, if there's a new person that moves into a ward, our dialogue shouldn't be, so are you married? or a dialogue should be, so tell me some things that you like to do. Tell me something interesting about you. If we have a young couple that comes into the ward or a middle-aged couple and they don't have children, we shouldn't go, oh, so do you have kids? Just simple shifting in dialogue will diminish offense and hurt. But as a culture, we tend to go right to family. Are you married? Do you have kids? And I know people don't do it on purpose. but we could shift those simple dialogues, right? And make a difference. Leadership could start including single members of the church in leadership positions so that there's more a feeling of inclusion. I know this is my own personal opinion, but (laughs) many times I've had priesthood leaders imply, you know, we don't want to overburden you as a single mom.
0: I have heard that so many times.
1: Why don't you give me the right to decide what's overburdensome to me? Because you don't ask a brethren who's yeah. a CEO of a company, and then you're calling them to be the bishop that you don't want to overburden them. And I'm like, I would rather you ask me and trust me to say whether I can serve in leadership or not, than exclude me because you don't want to overburden me. Because then I feel like, am I not good enough?
0: Yeah. It's benevolent sexism is what it is, is they're trying to protect, and women do this to each other too, but they're trying to protect, but they're not giving women the choice. I had only that happen once when I had two really little kids. And I was stuck in the house and I was going through some depression because all of a sudden my life was taken away. And I was told, we don't want to put any pressure on you because we know you're so busy. And it was like, oh my gosh, I need a calling. Give me something else to think about. So I just know that we have to give people the choice and listen to inspiration because God will be telling you. But sometimes we, as, and I've been a release society president, sometimes we just kind of go with our gut and go with what we think. And that's not giving people the choice. Yeah.
1: I was going to quickly say when I got divorced, I was teaching gospel doctrine. And a week later, I was released. Oh my gosh. That was like an absolute worst decision that could have been made for me.
0: That is so sad. If you could wave a magic wand, What would you do from a general church perspective level to better serve and accommodate single women and their families in the church? And I know you've given some, but anything else from a general church level perspective?
1: I've spoken at a lot of adult single conferences, and I've met with a lot of the leadership that puts those conferences on. And a lot of the older single adults in the church do not feel heard or seen. They see a lot of money and time spent for the single young adults of the church, but they feel like they're just kind of cast aside. They would love it if there was like, so for example, many times there are adult single conferences put on, but there's no presence of the leadership of the church I don't believe there is, Susan, so I'm going to say I don't believe, but there's not typically a a button on the church's website that is for the adult single members of the church, because there's completely different dynamics between being a young single adult and an adult single adult. There's really not a ton of priesthood support at regional and the general level of the church. They kind of just assume that these adult singles are all being taken care of and yet there's different needs and there needs to be those opportunities of integration if we're gonna have ward family camp out that it should be all you don't you know what i mean there's just there's just things that need to be done like i remember being single and they for the activity they were doing the newlywed game you know come with your. oh no And you're just like, so who would you like me to bring for that? Right. You know, but yes, I think the leaders, the brethren and the sister leaders of the church, they need to recognize that these adult singles need to feel like they're seen. We don't want to be excluded. We don't want to be marginalized. We don't want to be put where you hang out with all the singles and we'll hang out with all the married that happens, but we want to be included. Invite us to dinner you know, put us in leadership, let us be seen, you know, a website that addresses the complications of being an adult single of the church. Give us ideas of how to help the married people see us. I mean, I don't know, Susan, I think there's a lot more that could be done.
0: Thank you so much for these comments. Every week I give my listeners a challenge and I'm gonna ask you to give that. And you've given a lot of those tips throughout this podcast episode, but what challenge would you suggest giving to our listeners this week? Just, I mean, from what you've said, I would say, don't assume that people are getting taken care of. Reach out, invite people to sit by us, invite us to dinner. What else would you say as we conclude this show today?
1: You know, when I shared my concern with Sister Jack, and she was the General Lee Society president, she's like, you know, Christy, I've never done that. I'm going to start inviting three or four of the single sisters every week to my home. I think all that needs to be done is to start allowing them to serve, to be seen, and to be invited. So however that works, if you're in a leadership calling, start praying about allowing those single individuals to serve in leadership they have a lot to offer if you're married and you're going to have a barbecue invite some of the single members of the church to join you if you're going to go to a movie you can invite people to join you all we're asking for i think in many ways is to be seen and heard and invited
0: I love that. And my husband and I have actually done that. We've had a barbecue, well, a number of barbecues and we invite couples, but we also invite people from the neighborhood who are single. And one other practice that we've had is when my husband and I do ceilings, we actually, I reserve a different spot, one extra spot and ask a single sister to come. So those are a couple of things, but I need to be much more aware of things that you're talking about as well. Dr. Kane, thank you so much. It's always, wonderful to talk to you. For Mm -hmm. listeners, please follow Unleashing Sister Saints on Facebook and Instagram for more information and to stay up to date. And if you like a particular episode or show in general, please share it with others and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Dr. Susan Mattson, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world.